You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Legends of Runeterra. This episode is supported by listeners like you. To become a supporter of Legends Cast, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. I am one of your hosts, the Lift or Mark from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And with me tonight, I have my legendary co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. And later in the show, we will have a special guest for a guest interview, um, BBG or Bruised by God, who is a competitive uh, player for LOR, um, will be on the will be on the episode as well which is really really exciting but right now it's just me and dbn dbn how are you doing tonight doing pretty good it's been a long day but i am excited to be recording tonight uh got some fun stuff to talk about and a great interview that uh i have had the privilege of getting to listen to a little bit early there's some really interesting stuff in there so i think people are really going to want to stay tuned and uh, and and really hear that because there's some great information some also just some fun interesting you know stories and stuff like that and conversation it, it was a blast actually to listen to so i know the the viewers are going to want to hear that as well yeah bb bbg was, I guess not viewers i guess the listeners listeners viewers hey yeah. you know you never know uh, they might find a way to watch us they could just uh, look at the at the a blank screen i guess yeah i mean yeah you're technically <laughs> if you're using your eyes you are viewing us you, yeah, you can view the episode title over and over again throughout the course of the episode. Literally constantly. You can find something to view. You know? Yeah. I'll make a really long one so that way it scrolls. It scrolls constantly so you're not looking at a static image. We'll come up with a – that's a lie. It's going to be special We won't guest. do that. That's way too hard. I'm yeah. not doing <laughs> Special guest bruised by God is going to be the episode title, let's just be honest. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. This, this particular episode has been recorded in pieces, which is a little different than what we've done before. But in order to accommodate BBG and have him on the episode, um, I had to interview him separate from the recording, which means sort of like piecing it together. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the black magic of, of technology has made it possible for us to time warp and make it all happen. So that's the good news. So it, it, it's all, it all works out. And yeah, I think that a lot of the things that he has to offer are, are really informative. And I, in, when we talk about our week in LOR, um, I've been playing the deck that he talked about and uh, have been having some success with it. It's good to find success a couple of days before the season ends and, uh, mm-hmm. and everything gets reset. So luckily I'm going to get the really cool um, the the plunder there's like these little icons that you get for ranked and um i think one of the coolest ones is the golden one that you get for for staying in gold for being lazy and not grinding ladder and staying in gold the plunder icon that's gold i think looks really cool and it's kind of piratey because you know pirates like gold more than they like purple Oh, 100%. So 100%. That's, what, that's totally why I'm staying in gold. Yeah, everybody else grinding for Challenger to get the purple one. Oh, my goodness. So hideous. It has, it has, yeah, it has nothing to do with me just not playing ranked. That's not it at all. Yeah. I'm, cho- I'm choosing <laughs> to manipulate my rank so I get the gold piratey one. That's it. 
I, I did play some rank this week, but let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing because both of us had had an opportunity to play a little bit of LOR this week. Not a tremendous amount, but both of us had a chance to play some new decks and experiment with some stuff, I believe. So DBM, what have you been playing in LOR this week? Yeah, so um, actually Wednesday, uh, I actually had played almost none uh, until uh, yesterday and the day before. Um, so it's a good thing, I guess, that we had this two-day uh, kind of extension here because uh, we kind of are filming, or not filming, recording across two different two different days. Um, it's probably a good thing because I did actually get to play and have something to talk about now. But uh, on Wednesday, um, Templar10, uh, one of the members of our Discord, cool guy, messaged me and uh, said, hey, there's this idea I had for a deck. You know, here's the code. Can you look at it? Uh, and together we kind of looked at that and I kind of thought about some things and I had a couple ideas and we kind of implemented them and we played around with the deck. Uh, between the two of us, I think we came up with something pretty cool. Um, I do plan on making a video on it probably tomorrow morning. So keep an eye out for that on my YouTube page. Uh, but uh, it is a Ash and Fiora mid-range list um, that is really dialing in on challengers. Um, so just trying to get a fairly decent amount of challenger cards, but also, you know, we've got, um, a decent amount of deck buffing, but, but really we're playing just a resilient board state game plan. Um, and seeing what we can do with that and just kind of, it's, you know what it really reminds me of, it reminds me of just like Tessel good stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like it's just, it's just good stuff frail your Demacia, right? Um, and the, the crazy thing is, it's been actually doing really, really well. Uh, and I've even been playing it. I know I just said I haven't been playing ranked. I haven't been playing much ranked. But I said, you know, this is doing pretty well. Let me play it a ranked, see how it does against some real decks. And um, it has handled several notable meta decks. Um, the, it's I've actually played six games with it. Only lost one so far. So it actually did get me a, uh, uh, I guess, a division up or whatever. Nice. Um, uh, whatever they're called, like little whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went up a thingy. You did a thingy. Whatever they're called, not into not into the next rank, but like you know, up a division, I guess. Yeah, yeah, up um, a thingy. Uh, a <laughs> thingy. And uh, but it's really really neat because we're just like I said, we're just taking the good stuff of each one, with the exception of one card that I thought was a really cool idea on my part because we're doing like three avarice and hearth guards. Uh, we're doing um, the the Omen Hawks and then also mm -hmm. running Babbling Bjerg for a little bit of refill, you know, stuff. I said, you know what, let me put two of these, uh, and at one point I ran three, but they're really bad, like, early game draws. Uh, these Silverwing Vanguards, uh, four mana, two, one with Challenger, that when okay. you're summoned, summon an exact copy. Um, and oh, so yeah. we're, with that deck buffing, the Silverwing Vanguard, if you can get it up by a plus one, plus one, it'll be... Uh, a total of six, uh, four stat line for four across two creatures, both with Challenger. If you can get two buffs on it, then it becomes, obviously, I mean, you guys can do the math. Um, eight, it becomes six. eight, six for four. So two, four, threes for four, both with Challenger. Uh, it's really great when it gets the buffs on it. Uh, obviously, that's not the win condition in and of itself, but, you know, it's kind of got some of the, you know, efficient freeze cards. So it's a couple Brittle Steels, a couple Flash Freeze, Ash, and then the Rhyme Fang Wolf. Um, yes. But we're not all in on leveling Ash up. We're just kind of using it as a really strong, uh, proactive four drop. Uh, and then we're running a little bit of stuff to protect it. 
but not we're not going overboard either because at the top end, what are we going to do? We're going to slam Radiant Guardian. We're going to slam Scythria, uh, and we're going to push that damage off of those beefy uh, back ends to the face. We can remove any potential uh, life gain creatures with those challengers that I talked about. Um, obviously, Fiora's in here, so Fiora serves that purpose as well. Yep. Um, and um, yeah, Scythria, Radiant Guardian tend to win the game. Avaros and Hearthguard as well. So, I mean, it, it's nothing like super wonky it's it's not that it's really complicated it's just it's great at putting out those threats and controlling the board and i think more than that it, it does really well like because of all the challenger it just eats elusives for breakfast um Ooh, that's and, you know elusives right yeah and elusives have become a lot more popular um but i even beat a karina control deck just because i kept putting out threats with you know pretty decent back ends um the longer the game went on the harder it was for them to kill my things and as long as i didn't overcommit to a board um, I could just play some more stuff out, play another Babbling Bjerg, play another Avarice and Sentry, and draw things back after their ruinations. Um, so, yeah, it was actually really cool. I got to beat a Karina control deck as a mid-range, which is pretty hard to do. Um, not that Karina control isn't... Like, like, Karina control got nerfed, well, don't get me wrong, but still, like, it's pretty nice in the mid-range, against most mid-range decks, and I was able to to punish it there. And I've got one Tiana crown guard uh, up at the top end, and I it did solidify a game i'm not sure if it'll stick in there long term but it's just the one copy so i figured the rally is is nice enough um anyways yeah it, it's really cool i i've been pleasantly surprised with how it's played and i'm actually really excited to play it some more like i said it's not any it's not, it doesn't feel like i'm reinventing the wheel it just feels good very efficient at dealing with the other things that are being played right now yeah, I think the challenger is important. There is a lot of the the new championless burn deck switched from BNZ to Ionia. So it's now the Ionia, Ionia Noxus sort yeah. of elusive championless burn. And I've run into it a couple times. It is super, super strong. Um, it is very, very strong. And you know what? Uh, when I played Ash Sejuani for, you know... Basically forever, um, whenever Sejuani came out, I had a very similar experience because the really nice thing about the Hearth Guards and the Omen Hawks is that as you churn later into the game, and especially when you're when I was playing it with Noxus and, and you played the card that drew if, if for every creature that you had on the board with five or more power, if you get those things going to draw two, three, four cards at a time. Um, it meant yeah, the that Trifarian you, yeah, assessor. like, yeah, th that one, yeah, th the the control deck could never run you out of stuff, and then in addition to that, eventually they just the the creatures just became too big. You know, you get two mm -hmm. Avarosans on your on your deck, and suddenly you're just dropping you know cards that can't be removed by most PNZ removal, and you need ruinations, and then you have too many cards in your hand, these big, beefy, you know, seven seven six sixes, eight eights that are just really hard to deal with um, when they just keep getting slammed on the board over and over again, and that is something that I really like about playing sort of the, I think the Demacia is probably the, maybe the better form of it. You don't have as much draw, but, um, you know, that mid-range package that that can go and pressure a control deck later because you are pumping up your deck. And so you you keep on drawing threats that they can't just ping away or remove with get excited. You know, suddenly something mm -hmm. they could remove with get excited 
Oh my gosh, that thing has five health now. That thing used to have two health. Well, you hit it with two sentries and an omen hawk, and now you're dropping this thing with five health instead, and they can't get rid of it. And um, I think that that is a really fun thing because the control deck kind of thinks they have it under control, but they're on a clock against those types of decks. They really are. Yeah. They, they have to find a way to kill you, not just stabilize and eventually win because they're never going to stabilize against that deck buffing. Right. And I think that that's where, you know, Templar and I approach this from the idea of like, hey, we want to put Ash and Fjord in a deck together. How do we do that? Um, and so that was like, okay, that's what we're doing. We're playing this, you know, mid range style deck, but that is using Freeze and Challenger to hopefully take advantage of that and take over the board, you know, getting those trades, freezing something and then challenging it, forcing them to mm -hmm. lose that creature in a trade where they're not damaging back. Right. Um, so that was the core concept of this. But of course, I actually happen to think that I'd love to revisit the Noxus uh, Freljord Yeti deck, right? Which focuses on those Trifarian Assessors and really wants to pressure the crap out of those control decks because you just keep stacking Yetis, you keep deck buffing, you have plenty of card draw, let me tell you, between uh, the Assessor and the Babbling Bjerg, and then you can even start dropping things like Trendemir at the end if you want. Yeah. Um, and I would really love to revisit that, and then maybe that's what I'll do this this next week. But I feel like the environment is ripe for that. Only problem being life gain, because I think there's a couple decks that, you know, like the reason why this deck is working well is because elusives are popular and Challenger eats elusives. Yeah. Um, and also Radiant Guardian is just, I mean, Radiant Guardian is amazing against aggro. It's so good. Um, Real it comes good. down. It comes down right on time to be able to do something and, and stabilize. So, you know, um, there's that. But I think there maybe in the environment before this one that we're looking at right now, like um, there is enough. I think the, the consensus being that like aggro was slowed down enough that you could get away with some of those greedier mid-range decks that take a little longer to set up but have that more punishing proactive you know game plan in turns like six seven and on right um i don't know if that's where we're at now too because like you also have like tempo uh they who endure yeah and that's I almost a very kinda, strong deck that's a very strong deck and i almost don't i don't know if I think it's just faster at doing kind of what Yetis want to do. I mean, yet like Yetis would want to get a bunch of big things going wide, but you you typically can't get that done fast enough. I think compared to, to They Who Endure. Um, but then yeah, you I also was have like curious about Sejuani. how it went against They Who Endure. What my uh, this this list here? Yeah, because They Who Endure. I, I mean, know... I mean, full disclosure, haven't run into it yet. Okay. Um, I've okay. run into pretty much other every other meta list. Uh, I haven't run into they who endure yet. Um, so probably not very good if I'm being honest. It's like on paper, I don't think that's a that's a matchup I want uh, because I don't have any removal for they who endure. Like I don't have will of Ionia. The, the, you know, I don't have. I mean, I guess you could run purify. That would do something with it. Right. Well, yeah, a purifier too would do really good against that. That that's for sure. But sometimes the so, you know, it's funny that you say that because at the end of this week, I uh, I had been playing Mage Seekers. I swapped off of that and just really couldn't make it work, and um, I switched over to the you know the tempo endure list. But I picked up 
BBG's list and messed around with it, which runs instead of Callista and Elise, it runs Callista and Sejuani. And um mm-hmm. have and it's not really like the uh, hyper aggressive version. It is a little bit more mid-rangey where it runs like two copies of Vengeance and things. So it gives you the ability to sort of get into the late game a, l- a little bit more efficiently um, because you want to, you know, get the Sejuani procs and, and Sejuani just works really, really well with a couple of cards in that deck. And um, and I have had a lot of success with that deck. So that was kind of one of the reasons I was curious because my week was made up of a lot of um, BBG's Tempo Endure with Sejuani and Callista and the Killer Croc. Uh, that's not his name. Maybe it's a Killer Crocolisk or something. He is the four mana seven seven to play him. You have to sack two creatures. And he is very powerful with Callista because you basically... On turn one, you drop one drop. Turn two, you drop a two drop. Um, turn three, you drop Callista and trade with one of your one drops that, you know, gives you something. So the ideal play is the hapless aristocrat into the, uh, the what is the two mana one one that can't block and summons a four four on last breath? I can't remember the name of him. Uh, oh, the um, the cursed keeper. Cursed keeper. So it is. It's hapless aristocrat, cursed keeper. Then you play Callista. You trade off the hapless aristocrat and play uh, the Croc, which gives you a it summon. It, it levels up Callista and it gives you a four four because you you sack the um, the cursed keeper. So you have a seven seven a four four and a leveled up five four Callista with fearsome on turn four to attack with or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. it is, it is pretty strong. And the croc lets you level up Callista a little bit easier than uh, I, you, sometimes you have trouble leveling up Callista. You really want to attack with her, but if you attack with her, she gets traded into, then you're not going to be able to level her up and it can be pretty frustrating. And uh, the croc allows you with only one trade while Callista's on board to be able to level up Callista on your own turn without your opponent being able to interact with it in any way. And yeah. um, that was a lot of fun. And so, sometimes the, that turn one, two, three, four absolutely blows out the game. Other times it doesn't. And you actually do get Sejuani leveled up and get her on board. And, and you crush people with the leveled up Sejuani, which is very strong. Um, so, yeah, I, I have, I've been playing that this week and really been, endure, uh, really been enjoying it. Enduring it. Really been enjoying it. The, uh, the They Who Endure Templates from BBG is definitely something to check out. And I agree with him. I think it's better at, from playing the Elise list than playing the Sedge list. I think the Sejuani list is a better list than the Elise Callista list is. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, it's it'll be worth checking out. And it even, um, I mean, I already have this knowledge because I listened to the interview. Uh, but I even... Uh, Flashed one or two uh, ancient crocolisks into my Lucian Callista. Uh, oh, interesting! And I think I I haven't tested it yet. I I just put them in there. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but I'm actually pretty excited for it. And I I think it will be a really good one to use. I, I mean, I'm already running the Undying. It's kind of like the center point of the list for how to keep pressuring, keep pressuring, keep pressuring, right? Um, yes. So I, I do think uh, it will fit nicely also as a way to conserve board state, but like both Lucian and Callista want to get leveled up. And the best way to do that is let things die. And guess what? I get to kill two things in one go. Like that's pretty good. The only other thing they can do kind of that is like the blighted caretaker. And that's one that 
well, I, I don't want to spoil it, but there, there are some issues, even though that card is very mana efficient for killing, getting things killed. You know, three, three mana kills three things because of the ephemeral on those guys. It can present some difficulties. It's also not very resilient in and of itself, like the body that sticks around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, Ancient Crocolisks, uh, I'm really, I think that'll be a really good transition, good play to make. So, you know, I'll, We'll we'll have to see how it works out. But currently, by the way, Lucian Callista is still like when I've played like when I played over the last week. The reason I felt like I didn't have anything to report because I didn't do anything new. That's because Lucian Callista were still winning games whenever I needed to. Like that deck feels really strong. Hmm. It, you play you play Senna in that deck too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you almost have mm -hmm. to if you're going to play Lucian because it's so easy to level them up with the. I mean, I yeah. I mean, have to know would be strictly better if you include it. Yes, sure. So no. have to. I mean, you don't have to, yeah. but you should. You yeah. Like you if you don't should. have Senna's, but you have everything else, you can totally play the deck, and it'll still be good, and it'll still be fun. Senna's just will improve the deck. You know. I mean, I seriously like the first like five or six games I played with it, I didn't have Senna because I didn't feel like I didn't want to craft it if I wasn't going to like it. And then I played the deck. I liked it. I was winning a lot. So I said, okay, let me get Senna's in here. Nice. Yeah, the deck yeah. that I the deck that I started mess with today was Unyielding Spirit Garen Thresh. Gross. Yeah, I I can't get it to work. I don't know. I, I was also running part of like the they who endure early game package with some of the sacrificing, you know, I couldn't really but I think I think I need to strip that out and instead go for a bit more of a control. But I think that if you can get Garen, I haven't seen many people messing around with with unyielding spirit on Garen, but if you get a leveled up Garen with unyielding spirit on him, I think that that is like you 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 always have an attack token like on your opponent's turn. I think that yeah. that is the ability to just end games. And then if you can get a thresh that can yank your Garens out for you, um, so that you can get unyielding spirit on them, I think that that could be potentially really strong. I haven't found the tweak for it, but that's my goal this next week, depending on what the patch looks like, because I really feel like depending on what happens to unyielding spirit, I think that Garen. I think that Garen is maybe an untested, like uh, like uh, combination with Unyielding Spirit that might be better than some of the other cards that that have been used with Unyielding Spirit. I could be wrong about that, but I just feel like a leveled up Garen is very oppressive and very very difficult to deal with because you just never. It's just relentless. In constantly attacking you so i've been thinking maybe like with some scouts or something i'm not sure maybe thresh isn't what to run with it maybe it's like mf or something but uh i'm i'm messing around with that until we get the patch coming up here you know i think mm -hmm. what the 26th so it's it's pretty close it's like less than a week away yeah, um, uh is it wait it's the 26th maybe it's not maybe that's the well I that's in the news isn't it normally on tuesdays yeah, you're right. So it, it's not the 26th. It's coming up this upcoming Tuesday, which I think will be the 23rd. Yeah, and then yeah. the gauntlet is what starts on the 26th. But hey, that that's in the news. Um, but before we get into, well, we have some Legends cast news and we have Legends of Runeterra news. So what do you say we move on out of this segment into the news? Let's boogie. <laughs> 
Okay, let's talk about the news together. Um, so there are a couple things that are going to be going on, but DBN, we did start the league. Like the league signups ended, and technically, I believe on the release of this video, the league will have kind of like officially started. This this video is either going to go out on Saturday or Sunday. So um, if it's on Sunday, the league is started. If it's on Saturday, the next day, the league is going to start. But you had a couple of small things that you wanted to add in to the conversation to make sure people are aware of for the Legends Cast Discord League, correct? Yeah, yeah, just a couple things. I also just wanted to give everyone an update. Yeah, so so um, it has closed, so the league has begun. Um, the uh, first games were originally, so <laughs> originally they were going to begin on the 21st, so that would be uh, this Sunday, aka tomorrow, as of the publishing date of this episode. Um, but we got the groups together. We closed the the signups. We got the groups together, uh, and uh, got everyone uh, put together. And we just said, "Hey, let's get people playing early." So we went ahead and released those, and everybody was excited. And several of the games have already been played, which is really cool. People seem to be enjoying it, so that's uh, that's the good news. Uh, we ended up with uh, a total of six groups um, uh, in NA and one EU group. Uh, each group. And NA has six players. Uh, the EU group has six as well, or seven. Might be seven. We, I think we have just over forty people total. Maybe it's who eight. Are in the, I think it is eight. I well, think. so we have we have thirty six NA players, uh, and then we have eight. Yes, eight um, EU players in their players. separate group. So forty-four players. Honestly, like that blows my mind. I, I would. I was thinking we'd be happy if we got twenty-four. Um, so I'm just super thrilled at the the response. People are are signing up and playing. I've already been looking at some of the groups, and I'm like, oh, that group looks tough. Ooh, that group looks tough. You know, sure. Uh, which is really really fun. I think uh, if I'm being, uh, if I'm picking them out. No offense to anybody, but I'm looking at. Uh, I think group number four looks like a really, really tough one. Uh, and then group number three, I'm really excited to watch because uh, I, I'm close with several of the people in there. Uh, or, and, you know, I mean, there are people who, a lot of them are people who've been in the Discord a long time, slash my buddy Gibbles and Bits uh, is in there as well. So I'm uh, groups three and four are looking really exciting, but there's, there's tons of awesome members of our Discord and, uh, you know, spread throughout. And I'm going to be really excited to see who, you know, tops the uh, tops the charts and gets to play in that tournament. You know, so um, I'm not going to go over the rules or anything again because I've done that two weeks in a row. And if you want to hear it, you can go back and, and look at that. I will say for those of you playing in the event, hopefully you listen to this podcast. Um, make sure you guys are reporting your scores uh, in the specific score reporting channel. Yes, um, that's very helpful. And and not having a discussion in there. I'm just, this is just a reminder. Nobody's done it. I'm just reminding people. Uh, you can always take your discussion back to league general. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's pretty much it for my announcements on the league. So far it's going well. Um, I do, however, want to put this out there to any of you guys who are playing in the league. If you want me to, me and maybe let Mark, if we can get together or yeah, maybe yeah, if we can make I'll it get, work we can make it work uh we are willing to cast your matches um maybe not everyone's match but i i'd like to do one per week you know at least if i can do more great and i'd put it up on my youtube video or youtube channel 
um, of us casting the match. I think that'd be a really fun way to do it. Also get us kind of warmed up for when we have the tournament, which I would like to cast um, the tournament of the winners of each group. So uh, I just, unfortunately we don't, we haven't planned exactly how we want to set it up. If indeed we get a lot of people trying to submit them uh, for now, all I'll say is if you have a video of the match, just message me in the discord and uh, I'll figure out the best way for me to get it from you. Um, but I do want to say, if you want to record a match for us, I do ask that it be recorded with no personal commentary as you play. Um, so like, I, you can put your face on it if you want. Um, I prefer if there was, I think it'd be easier for us to kind of, you know, use our OBS magics if there wasn't, you know, if you didn't put your personal face on it. But if you want to, if you're a streamer, you know, even a small streamer and you want to make sure you keep your branding going, I'm happy to move my face around and, and leave your face up. I don't care. Uh, but I do ask that you not have your kind of personal mic open for the video because we'll want to be talking over the gameplay. Um, and I mean, if you ideally, it would also be good if you had the in-game sound on um, so we yeah. can hear all those fun voice effects and whatnot. So that, that's pretty much all it is for conditions. If you have, if you want to record and you're not sure how, uh, you can always message us in the discord because uh, I, I mean, it's really easy getting the basics set up in OBS. OBS is, there's so much resource for OBS and I highly recommend it if you're getting into streaming or recording your content. Sometimes it can be helpful, by the way, this is just a complete side note, to record some of your games and then say, you know, I'm, there's plenty of people in our Discord uh, who are great players, you know, and, and have also the willingness and the time to, you know, watch a game and say, hey, you know, here's how you can improve or, hey, you know, I noticed you did this. Did you consider this play? There's actually quite a few people who have uh, recently I've seen talking to each other saying, hey, record some video. I'll, I'll take a look at it, you know, see if we can help each other, because uh, that's kind of what our discord is for. You know, we want to help each other out and and have, you know, have a good time doing it, too. So um, if you have one of those games from the discord league, uh, if you're a player that you want uh, or you think you might want us to to cast, definitely, definitely message me and we'll see if we can't get that done. Um, so that's the update there. I really don't have anything else, guys. Just have fun. Like, I'm I'm really excited. There's actually a couple people who did stream, and I'm like, I've been like, I have the links to their channel saved so I can go back and watch the VODs. I'm just, it's fun to see the people that you see in the Discord every day duking it out in a slightly, you know, slightly competitive thing. I also wanted to real fast thank Formula 408. Absolutely. For all of the hard work, all of the hard work. And we're finally getting this off the ground. And Formula is still kind of doing that day to day admin. You know, uh, I kind of did a lot of the, you know, okay, here's what I want to try for the format. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I don't want to do. Um, and that you can probably tell that's why things are pretty straightforward and simple. Uh, <laughs> but Formula 4 I put in all of the, all the groundwork getting this done. And so really, thank so um, just a personal bump while we're talking about formula and our other admin, Jeff, um, they did start a, their own podcast. Yeah, they um, did. Which yes, I, yes, yes. I wanted, I wanted to throw that out there. Um, and that I believe it's called the off meta report. I'm trying to scroll and find a link to it. They did their first 20 minute episode or 20 and change, I think. Um, and I, they put it up on formula's new YouTube channel. Uh, definitely go and check it out. These two guys are staples of our community. We couldn't do what we do without them. 
Um, so if you are looking for just a little more uh, content, get on over there. Uh, they got their first episode up, and I know they're going to be working on you know getting some more out at some point too. So just yeah, show them some love. Drop a a subscribe onto that YouTube um, and give it a listen. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure that you go out and get that and check that out because um they're they're putting out some some awesome stuff and so yeah definitely and we can put probably slap that in the discord that link in the discord and the show notes maybe too as well yeah i'll probably put it in maybe uh next week's episode because we are going to have you know what i'll try to get it in there and try to get it in the in the discord as well yeah because we have all of bbg stuff who is going to be in this week's show notes but i I think I can fit it all in. We'll just have a really short description for the episode, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, It'll just be, we'll just, uh, the description of the episode can be banter plus BBG. That'll be what it's called. That's all that it is. That's all the description is. Okay. Yep. I like that. Um, So in the news with Legends of Runeterra, we did today, which is good that we waited a little bit because we didn't have this a couple of days ago. We did get the official announcement for everything coming out with the patch and a a lot of updates. And guys, most of this is stuff that we've really already seen. We do have the official announcement for the next season, which is going to be the season of fortune, the season of fortune. And of course, we're going to get some stuff that's going to flavor that season with the season of fortune. Like we, we are coming out of the season of plunder. It, this Tuesday, we should get a light reset or a, yeah, it's a light reset, right? For the ranked ladder, which means you're going to get, you know, bumped back several ranks from uh from where you're going to end the season at. You'll get season end rewards as well. And then they officially announced the fact that they are going to be doing the gauntlet um, still coming on June 26th, which is awesome because I was kind of afraid some of the stuff with COVID-19 would get delayed. But it looks like that gauntlet, which is going to have new rules, they're going to be kind of like a seven win uh format. Try to get seven wins before you lose two in a row. Um, and you're going to get some exclusive rewards by getting those seven wins. Um, and uh, and that is going to just, the first one is just going to be sort of a trial run, which is a really good idea, sort of getting their self, their foundation figured out. And, uh, and that's just going to be normal. It's going to be like a normal um, uh, constructed format. So you're going to be able to, you know, bring your whatever deck you're going to bring in and try to win. Um Seven games before you lose two, I believe. They did tell us about the gauntlets that are going to be coming out, which are going to be kind of like a bit of a wonkier way to play the game with new rules. It's going to start out relatively basic, but it's going to get more wonky as time goes on. They promised us crazier and crazier rules. And then, oh, wait, that's, I don't know what I just called it. It's called a lab. That's what it is. Did I call it gauntlet as well? I think maybe I called them both gauntlets. I mean, tavern brawl. Tavern no, brawl. We yeah, but that. That, well, that we can't. But that's what it is. It's a lab. It's a lab. And and they will last like two weeks long. So they're not just a week. You'll get a new one with each new patch, whether it be big patch or little patch. And then the last one is the events, which are going to be sort of like exclusive rewards that you're going to be able to grind out and get by playing the game during sort of the month that an event is active or the couple of weeks that an event is active. It's something that I found interesting is they're going to be doing what seems to be kind of a battle pass. So you're going to be able to buy for each event, you're going to be able to purchase a pass and that pass will give you access to like more exclusive cosmetics that you're able to unlock. So if you haven't played like team fight tactics, but I think, you know, pretty similar to that, you play TFT, there's sort of like a bar that you can grind out and you'll get some stuff, but you only get one thing like every three or four levels. Whereas if you buy the pass for $10, you get some new cosmetic 
every single level. And I think that you're looking at something that's going to be very, very similar to that for LOR. So you're going to be able to participate in the event and grind out some free things. But if you want to pay a couple of bucks or spend some coins, I would imagine they, they weren't explicit about that, but you're going to be able to purchase the pass for each event as well, which will give you access to unlocking more cosmetic content. So if you're big into cosmetics and collecting that sort of stuff, seems like that is going to be the way to go. And, and uh, DBN, you and I were excited about events. They haven't told us much about this one, but does does the idea of having a an event pass make you more or less excited for events? Well, um, it, you know, because it's all cosmetics, I'm pretty cool with it. So like the way I think about it, too is um when it becomes pervasive to the point where like you can't get cool things unless you buy it that's when i start to draw the line of having an issue with it but i compare it to like the apex legends battle passes which i've been pretty happy with i play apex legends pretty often um and i just you know it's not a game i take super seriously i'm not that good at it you know but uh myself and gibbles and bits and uh one of our other friends um, we play pretty pretty faithfully, you know, a couple times a week. Get on for a couple hours and and play some games. And the the battle pass that they have there, now it started off pretty controversially. I mean, not controversial. It was not good. It was the first two seasons. The battle passes kind of sucked. I bought them to support the game because the base game was really enjoyable. And now they've got a bigger budget they've got a bigger team they've got us i think they're getting a studio completely dedicated to apex legends i mean the game is doing very very well commercially right now mm -hmm. um and so they've those those battle passes are becoming more robust there's more stuff in them there's the stuff that's in them is more meaningful like you you actually get to see it you know um and uh you know and then of course the biggest thing i think with these battle passes is they have to be you have to be able to move through them at a good enough pace to see a lot of those, um, you know, items and stuff like that. And so you keep getting that hit of adrenaline, like, oh, I got the next level. I got the next cool thing. The rewards have to be good enough for you to want them, but also unique enough so that they don't just it, it, every time, oh, well, I just got a weapon skin for a weapon I already have. Or if you say, well, I just got another card back, but I'll never use it over this other card back. Yeah. Like that mm -hmm. was always the problem I had with like Overwatch uh skins when I played Overwatch was like I had my one Roadhog legendary skin and I and my one Arisa legendary skin and I would never change them ever even though I got the other ones. It was like this is my this is like my idea of what this character looks like therefore I'm never going to change it. And so you do have to be careful now unfortunately I think the card games are a really good venue because of the way that you have you can you know digital card game you can have multiple decks one deck can have this card back one deck can have this you know uh uh battle map or uh board or whatever so this is a good situation for that kind of battle pass system and i think the the final thing though has to be there has to be some sort of challenge based system that will encourage you to play in different ways so that it feels like you're earning the rewards not buying them um, mm, that's mm -hmm. a really important distinction that I find like I've played certain battle pass systems where it's just like, okay, just by playing the game, I'll just naturally get the stuff. So it really feels like you're just buying that stuff, but with a delay. Now contrast that to like Apex, where like 
you you have all these daily quests and you have all these other things and those and if you do those daily quests and you do those weekly quests you will realize the uh event items faster right um and you I have think to that's play a really... in a unique way in order to you, right, you have but to it play also in a way is... that's outside of the way you would traditionally play in order to get that stuff you have to try to get it right you have to try well yeah, you have to at least put your best foot forward if you want to get it faster. I think that's the important distinction because okay. you can go through and do Apex. If you play enough Apex Legends, you you can ignore all the quests and and still get it to max level, right? But I think when it's like get X number of experience towards your quest each day or I hate login events. I despise login everyday events because I don't do that. It's, you know, I've, I play so many different games. I cannot treat them as a lifestyle game. That's just not what I, I just can't do that. Sure. You know, I mean, imagine if I had to go to the hobby shop every week, every day of, every, of each week to play L5R, if I wanted to get the packs, you know, like I would hate that, you know, I mean, I wouldn't do it. And it's kind of like that. I mean, I know it's way easier to log in on your phone, log in on your, your desktop, but I, if I'm going to sit down to play LOR or any game, it's going to be for a chunk of time, not just logging in, getting the reward and logging out. Cause that feels cheap. So I don't like login rewards, personal thing here i totally understand a lot of people do um and there's it's catered more towards those regulars but i also don't like i've also got that fear of missing out on loot you know sure so then it what all it does is makes me resentful of the fact that before bed after a busy day i have to log in to get that thing and then log back out without playing because i'm tired so that's my my personal my personal stake of the matter and the final thing is you also don't want it to be too slow to get rewards. You need to get rewards at least one every day that you sit down to play. You should get at least one tier of a battle pass thing. And uh, because the, the the more you the slower you gatekeep it, the more people will feel like it wasn't worth their money. So there's a lot of thoughts on the battle pass system, but I play a lot of games with them in it. And I've kind of originally I didn't care for them too much, but I, they've grown on me as the new model for free to play games because they feel you know what you're going to get before you buy. I think that's way better than like the Overwatch buying loot crates system. We are past that as a gaming community. And I think I think we're starting to see this battle pass system becoming the trend because people can opt in or opt out because they'll know what they'll get. Yep. Um. I I mean, I support the system. You're not going to, even if I don't buy it, and I probably will, um, oh, I, will. I, I, I still support that marketing model for a free-to-play game. I mean, I love cosmetics. I love earning things, right? I love to earn things. And so I love checking off boxes. Um, I don't mind daily login rewards. They can get a little long in the tooth. I like the way that uh, that Riot has done it so far in that we've only had one and it was only a week. And it was basically at the launch of the game to get people to come back and keep playing to get cards sort of boost their their card pull towards the beginning. I think that was really, really smart. I'm glad they're not continuing to do it. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I am really excited for the League Pass. I think that's really cool. I liked it in TFT. I didn't do it for this next one because it, it didn't stick with me as well as I thought. I, I just maxed it out almost too quickly. And then it was like, I don't really have a, a point in coming back and playing this game. It almost made the game feel like I, I didn't want to come play it because I didn't really feel like I had anything to earn. 
So I hope they won't do something like that. I hope it, it does say that the, the seasons or the, the events are going to come with like unique quests that are just true to that event, which is really cool. And then the lab is going to go along with it and the gauntlet is going to go along with it. So they're going to pull in all of the alternate ways to play the game and pull in the quests all into this, you know, fun couple week long or one month long event, which I think is very exciting. Um, and so I'm curious to see how they do it. They haven't disappointed me yet. I think they could be done poorly, but they haven't disappointed me yet. So I'm really optimistic for it. Um, and, and I, like I said, I love earning things. So I'm really glad I didn't spend all my gold on emotes. There's a couple that I'm still going to purchase. But in addition to that, there's there's another thing that I think people will find very interesting. With this patch coming out on Tuesday, we are going to get a bunch of new personalization items, 20 balance changes and reworks, and an update to the LP in Masters tier, which we're not going to go over tonight because I'm not in Masters. And um, if you are, you know, maybe the LP has been frustrating, but you're going to you're going to see it a little bit more clearly now instead of a rank, basically. And then um, I, I think that most people will be excited about 20. We're not going to go over every card we think might get adjusted because actually BBG does a little bit of that. What cards he thinks need to be adjusted. But 20 is a lot. I suspect we'll see some buffs in there, which will make the 20 seem less intimidating. Sure. I, you know, they're not going to gut 20 cards. They'll probably gut two no, no, cards. No. Uh, I'm, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, my bet that they're going to nerf five cards. And you think they're going to rework and buff a whole bunch of cards? Yes. You know, I think we're going to see, I, this is, I don't have evidence. I don't have any inside scoop. Although, Riot, if you're listening, I would love an inside scoop. Uh, I promise I won't one. tell anyone. I'll just giggle in behind my behind my screen. Um, no, but I think there's enough of enough unexplored mechanics, and I'm happy to tell you which ones I think could be buffed. But unexplored mechanics that need or could use buffing that would make them more interesting. Um, so I think there's plenty of material uh, in this game to um, go ahead and 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 buff slash rework. And so I think that's where we should really look. And I know BBG talked about a few cards he expects to see balanced and, and nerfed, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really excited to see what they decide to to bring up. Yes, there, there's going to be a lot of stuff. So we're going to see that on, on Monday, Tuesday, we'll get the patch. And then I'm sure we'll have a discussion about the launch of, of the, the Season of Fortune and the cards that they actually are going to be changing um, or they actually did change on, on next episode, on episode 20. We'll take a look at that. The other things that are in the news that I think are important is that we will have cross-shard play. So you will now be able to play with your EU friends, which means I don't know exactly what that looks like, but there's a chance that we're going to be able to bring the EU grouping into the tournament. We're not 100% sure what that looks like yet, but it does mean that in the next league, which will probably be in, in what, like August, um, August or yep. September, um, in the next league, we'll be able to have EU and N8 players in it, which is personally very exciting for us because that was an obstacle that we had to overcome. One of the other things that I think is really unique, and it's a unique wording that they put in this um, when they were talking at the end about sort of like what is coming in the future, is that their goal with sort of rank season gauntlets is to create really cool cosmetic rewards that are worth 
um, getting that that sort of um, immortalize your various accomplishments in the game. And the main it says, it says the main rewards we have in mind are various cosmetic card modifications. And I think my personal opinion is cosmetic card modifications is skins for your various cards. It's alternate artwork for the cards in your collection, probably primarily champions. They're not saying that, but cosmetic card modifications, it could only mean that or card backs to me. I mean, what other cosmetic, I guess you could yeah, get- Yeah, but if it was card backs, they'd probably say card backs. I mean, I, I don't, it, obviously it could be something we're not thinking of, but I- It could I, be animation, it's a right? pretty. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Shiny, well, that would be it. Shiny that cards would be incredible. Stuff. I mean, so that's a pretty common thing that I was surprised they didn't launch. I mean, that that was usually a way you could get whales to drop unnecessary amounts of money. I'm glad they didn't for the record. Me too. Um, but I do think that would be a really cool thing to do is like have because you'd only ever see it. Um I mean, I guess you could see it when they're on the board, see them moving. But uh, one of my favorite things about Gwent was their uh, foil premium whatever card system, right? Where basically it was a full animation, like and a cool sound effect and everything on your on your foil quote unquote cards. You know, um, you would have like shiny cards in Tessel, you know, uh, and Hearthstone would have gold, you know, backed rimmed cards. But I think Gwent always had the most interesting ones, in my humble opinion. Um, Mythgard actually had some cool ones. It was cool, too, because they had full bleeds, which I liked. Oh, I really yeah. liked full bleeds. Um, so I, I, But I think Gwent is the one. If anyone hasn't seen it, like go and look at it, what a what – a, I forget what they're called. Like premium a premium version is. Sure. Yeah, I mean they are so – everyone – and that's the thing, too. If you're going to do something like that, you got to, they all have to be cool. You can't skimp on the commons who like, remember thieves guild recruit, how stupid that, that cards shiny was in Tessel. Well, there was a tremendous amount barely of tell. really bad you ones could, in Tessel. You could barely tell, you know, they have to all be good, whether it's common or not, or, or a champion. They have to all, whatever you make with that, they all have to be good. It can't be like a, well, this one's like rare. So it's not going to be as cool of a shiny as the Epic. If it's a if it's a shiny, they got all cool. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, I think they'll do a good job with it. I'm really hoping for card skins. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, I mean, champion alt skins, champion I guess. skins, alt art. Yeah, I'm sure, hoping for small art stuff. I'd love to be able I mean, to earn that. That would get me into gauntlets a hundred percent, hundred percent. I'd be in. Well, for those for those of you who remember who listened during the Tesla days, y'all know I barely played the Tesla gauntlets. I usually didn't. Um, gauntlets are hard for me to get amped up for because of the time commitment. You know, either I play it and play a deck where I know I'm probably not going to win. It's just to get the rewards for playing it the first time wins or losses not included, or I take it seriously and probably end up sitting and not to pat myself on the back. I think I'm, but I think I'm a pretty good player at most card games. So I'm going to win. I'm not going to lose three in a row and be done, you know? And so then at that point, it's a time commitment. Like, let's say for, for the sake of the argument, uh, the gauntlets and Tesla, which I think went to nine wins was the max. Let's say I played, uh, and before I hit three losses, I played, we'll say, uh, six and two. We'll say I went six and two and then played the third game and lost. So I went six and three total. Well, 
that's nine games. And I'm at the point in my life where I don't often have time to sit and play nine games back to back to back, especially on the weekends. Sure. You know, and on the weekends, I mean, sorry, like I'm, you know, doing stuff with friends, going and seeing, you know, my visiting my parents who live, you know, like 45 minutes away, getting caught up on sleep, but, you know, and, and doing other things, cleaning the apartment, trying to get ready for the next week, you know, like it, so like my time windows have shrunk, you know, and I guess that's what being an adult is. Boo. Yeah, that is but, part of adulting. But like I don't have I don't often have time to commit to playing that. Now, if this was over the course of a full week, I can get on board with that. I can be like, yeah, I can play. I can play nine games over one week. Um, but that was always the hard thing with me was saying, I, you know, and also you, you feel like if you play, let's say you play five games, right? You go, you go four and one, right? It's really hard to get amped up to get back into that a day later when you're in a different mood. You, you know, okay, where was I? What deck was I playing again? Sure, especially if you're locked okay, in the like, same deck. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're locked in. Exactly. So it's just, a, it's just, a, it's, it's not catered towards the type of digital gamer that I am today. You know, in the amount of time when I was streaming, it would except that I never streamed on the weekends, hence why I didn't do the Tesla gauntlets. But like, you know, when I was streaming, especially if it had been during the week, I would have loved to have had that. I would have played the crap out of them. So I, I think it's just a matter of if the, as long as they last a long enough time that players like me can still feel like it's worth jumping into. I'm I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm I'm going to be happy just because people get to play it. I don't. It doesn't. I'm not selfish enough to to deprive other people. Not that I have any influence whatsoever, but to advocate that they not do something purely because it it's I won't be able to participate, you know. But I do hope that that is the case because I know I'm not the only person. Sure, sure. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm sure that that, that it wouldn't. It's not easy for me on the weekends either, right? I work at a church, so I'm busy on the weekends. Um, it's not easy for me to compete in these things, and if 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 they're only they're talking of them being like four or five days and so we'll, we'll see how they position them it looks like they're going to be positioned over weekends because that is what's clearest for most people i hope that they find that it's better if they expand it over a week because people's lifestyles are different now than even what they were i mean most people there, there's less and less people who are just free on the weekends than ever before and a lot of people's schedules are wonky and are just different now, you know, and, and they, yeah. they can only play when they have the time available to play. And, you know, some people that's the middle of the night, some people that's early in the morning, some people that's, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, it just sort of well, depends. And we, we live in the era. I mean, if we, if we keep in mind that like the average player of Runeterra is younger, you know, and I don't mean like below, you know, like less than 18, but probably I, I'm, I, I don't know. I would actually really love to see the metrics on this, but I'm going to guess the average Runeterra player is aged somewhere between like 24 and 30, you know, somewhere in there average. Right. Well, let me let me just help you out here a little bit. Sure. Because the two groupings that are the largest listeners. Now, this could be more about podcasts, but it is obviously contributed from the base of player base too so mm -hmm. um uh what is it 68 percent of our listener base is between the ages of 23 and 34 so post okay, so that's post college about to about my yeah. age right so if we assume that like generally that's the thing we live in it we're looking at people who by and large don't entirely have 
you know, tons of disposable income. They also aren't settled down into a predictable rhythmic lifestyle. They're moving between jobs. They're getting a new job. They're getting a promotion. We also live in the life in the, in the era of the side hustle, you know, where people are picking up that extra cash, you know, driving sure. for Lyft or working in escape room, you know, where the bottom line is, you know, cost of living is higher than it probably ever has been you know and there's a lot of expenses i mean how you, you got to pay for that netflix account somehow right yeah so i mean can't lose that unless you get disney plus right. and then you can lose it yeah or have both uh a little, little each <laughs> or get disney plus for free with verizon i don't still don't know how that happened but cool i'll Sneaky. take it yeah right um, but yeah, I mean, you've got all the bills in the world now and, and, you know, it's, it's so like the bottom line, all I'm saying is this is not, you, it's, it's not reliable to figure out, you know, okay, well, most people play it at this time. Most people play at this time. You know, the nature of the game is this isn't the type of game that I don't think that people sit down. Okay. Oh, work's done. I just had dinner. Let me settle down for three to four hours at the end of the night. Yeah, it's a game on the go. I mean, the mobile client, you know, even excluded, you know, people fit in games when they can. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, not everyone. There are plenty of people who play eight hours on a stream. You know, I'm just saying, like, there's no one size fits all. You're going to have to do a little bit of giving and taking. And, and, you know, these different modes aren't going to be perfect for every player. What I like, though, is that they're trying to provide a lot of different ways. So there's going to be something for every player. Sure. I would really love to make, to, you know, to see them do limited time exclusive cosmetics for like the labs. Oh, hey, if you beat this lab, maybe in this amount of time, or if you beat this lab in this way, you you get that limited time cosmetic, you know? I just think like as long as as long well, as there are going to be some cosmetics for laps. I, I know I, what my greater point here, though, is one of the things that I kind of got irked about with Elder Scrolls Legends was that the only like truly exclusive things that you could get were one that you could buy mm -hmm. and two that you got from being like top 100 ranked. Yeah. You know, and like that's a, they should have that. Don't get me wrong. They should have that. But they should also have things for other ways to play and be be willing to be creative to say, hey, I want to reward the players that are more experimental. I want to reward the players who maybe, yeah, maybe they don't, they don't hit the top rank, but they log in for 100 days in a row. And if you log in for 100, hundred days in a row you get that cool card back like be innovative with the way like think about like all of the crazy weird trophies you get on steam games and playstation games you know what i mean for like doing things you didn't even think about you know but having those sorts of rewards built in and baked into the system where somebody could find that kind of like the titles in uh, like title hunting mm -hmm. in tesla you know but for bigger things that are, are gonna you know really show up in unique ways i think that that's gonna be the key for me to feel like you know, if I, cause if anytime I'd sit down across from someone in Tesla and they'd have that top 100 card back, I'm like, well, that's cool. Um, I, yeah, I guess I'll never get one of those. Not that I sure. shouldn't be top 100. I, I've been in the top 100, but finishing top 100 requires you to sit at the end of the season for the last two days and grind. And I'm sorry, but I, I don't have time for that, you know? And, and so like, I'll, I knew I'd never get one. And that kind of sucks, you know? 
Well, uh, I think there's going to be cosmetics in this game that that should be available. I, and I want to move on. I do want to move on because I want to move to the interview. But I think there should be some things. The point is, is that there should be something for every person, no matter the way that you play the game, that you can yes. be working towards. If, if there, there should eventually be things for people who like to play draft and they can, uh, they can achieve getting cool things through playing yes. draft. There should be people who, who want to play the labs and can achieve stuff. There should be the people who love the events and, and grind the events and stuff. Um, and then, you know, th there should be a little bit for everybody and including those diehard gamers who can get that really limited edition piece of cosmetic yeah, we, that I'm I not get. advocating that we take that away from them. I'm mm. not advocating that at all. I'm saying we need to have those types of rewards for other modes of play. And that's, what's going to, I think, really make these labs and quests and whatever these things are, but they're fancy non-standard wording, uh, whatever those titles are. Uh, that's what's going to make them successful is for people to feel like, hey, I may not get, you know, I may not have time to do X. I may not want to do Y, but Z, that's my game. And I'm going to have the coolest, dopest, you know, exclusive item that most people aren't going to have by pursuing the way I want to play. I think that's, that's what's going to make them successful, uh, at least in terms of getting people excited about the rewards. Yeah. Yeah, I hope we see more of that. Um, but you know what? That That's about everything in the news. The only additional little blip was, and some people are really excited about this, is that you can now choose what piece of artwork will represent your deck in your deck manager. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. That's actually a really big quality of life it's update. massive. Yes. The only other thing to note is that there was no announcement about spectator mode, but I've said before, and I'll continue to say, I don't expect us to get spectator mode until they have their tournament on the scene. And the fact that they have not introduced spectator mode is actually an encouragement to me that shows that they don't want to introduce spectator mode because they do have a tournament that they're planning on that's coming up. And I think they don't want other people easily able to get on the scene and capitalize on that that tournament environment before they're ready to announce their big tournament. I would actually be a little bit worried if they introduce spectator mode at this point, because it might tell me maybe they aren't really interested in introducing their own big tournament because they're giving the opportunity to be the first on the scene to another organization or another company. And that's a little unnerving to me. Um, but so I, I, that's actually an encouragement. I think that we're going to get a, a really, big investment from riot in the tournament scene and i think somewhere around the time that we get that announcement is when we'll hear about spectator mode but they want their tournament on the scene and and you really can't blame them for that no yeah for sure yeah. and they've said over and over again even in these notes they're building a foundation they're building a foundation they're building a foundation be patient with them they've created a beautiful game even in the foundation and they're continuing to do really innovative and great stuff with it but they are still establishing the foundation for the game before they really let loose and i think we'll we'll see some really cool stuff from them which is really exciting really really yeah. exciting but let's go ahead and jump over are you ready for us to to jump over to the interview with bbg uh oh yeah yeah and i think yeah. everyone is gonna get a lot out of it so guys uh definitely enjoy yeah now it's a party <laughs> Okay, guys, I am unbelievably excited tonight because I get to have Bruised by God or BBG 
on the stream with me or on the show with me, which is really, really exciting. And and, uh, and so we're so pumped to have you here. We're so thankful that you decided to come on and be on Legends Cast. I know a lot of our community is really excited to have you as well. And I actually, so I took a quick look because I wanted to know kind of like what your background was from. And it seems as though like looking, I was looking through some of your accomplishments, um, BBG, you were a pretty prolific eternal player um, and then have already sort of made a name for yourself in the Legends of Runeterra community, coming in first place in Jamfest 3, second place in Jamfest 4, first place in Jamfest 5, and then also first place in uh, Duels of Runeterra 6. Um, so you've already began sort of staking out a name for yourself and being part of the Legends of Runeterra company, or Re Legends of Runeterra community. And so, you know, we say that our podcast is about the community. So thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate having you. It's awesome to have you here with us. Yeah, it's no problem. Uh, you know, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we are always excited when we can get anybody who's sort of um, been a part of the community of the game and, and sort of uh, allow some of our listener base to hear from, um, you know, a, a broader range of voices that are coming from Legends of Runeterra. And in this case, I mean, what is arguably you're probably one of the most the voices that is arguably one of the most competitive in the very early stages of this game. Um, I mean. You're putting in time. I mean, dude, time yeah. on time on time, grinding. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's I do stream a lot. I'm uh, I'm really. I'll say one thing with the time is like uh, before, like right now, the ladder system is pretty stagnant, right? So I'm gonna be really excited. Like the the week I've been, I've been having a lot of fun doing new decks recently, which has actually been great. And I've been like the, the the big new thing for me recently has been the YouTube channel, which I'm working with somebody really uh really nice to be working with uh, the guy I work with there, Isaac Cadoro. Um, he streams on Twitch, Lord Zimba sometimes, so check him out there. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's been it's been really great streaming Runeterra. You know, I put a lot of time in it, and you know, I've gotten a lot out of it so far. So yeah, it's been it's been really good. I'll be uh, I'll be really excited for the upcoming changes. You know, coming uh, next week with the big patch. Yeah, yeah, we have another we have another big patch coming up, which you know what? It just seems like pretty much every episode is talking about the next big patch. <laughs> it's like yeah. this game puts out patches so fast. I was actually just having a conversation with my co-host tonight, and I said, it seems like every time I boot up to Legends of Runeterra, I look at my decks and I'm like, these are once again all outdated. I have to start over. It's like every time I boot up the game, I feel like my decks are, are outdated again because the, what is good is just constantly shifting. Like for example, I'm sure that tomorrow I will see your, uh, your mage seekers, Lux Ash deck probably all over the place. That's some good matchups and that's some bad matchups. Yeah. And one of the most, one of the most impressive things actually is that, um, is that, like the meta, it's not even like the patches do help, but even like even in periods, this game, uh, it, it seems to be well designed enough where even in periods like a few weeks after the patch, like still top tier decks can come into the meta. Like one of the things that surprised me the most, I'll say, is like at the very end, right before Rising Tide, a lot of people you know came into the community with Rising Tide, so they probably you know haven't don't really don't really know what the meta was like. Sure. The meta seems like it was kind of stagnating right before Rising Tides, but the, the weekend tournament right before Rising Tides, that's when I did, I did Garen Ash, and that did, and it just did super well on ladder, super well in the in the tournament, um, 
when I bought it. So it's like even in um, even in like metas when they're starting to you know the, the twilight of the meta, you still get some you, you still get some innovation with this game. It seems to be that this is not a game that lends itself to being dominated by just like one or two top decks and they just have no answers to them. It, it's not the case. Yeah, and it, unlike a lot of other games, it is not nearly as easily solved. Like, um, yeah. you know, like the Tempo and Door deck is is clearly pretty good, but literally like two weeks ago, the worst the worst factions in the game were Frailyard and Shadow Isles. And everyone's like, oh, Frailyard and Shadow Isles, they're weak, they're terrible. You can only play deep with Shadow Isles. Nothing else is good. And then Tempo and Door comes out of nowhere like a storm, and it's like, oh, actually, this deck is really, really good. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, the meta is just always evolving, and and that is something that um, both me and DBN have found very engaging about Legends of Runeterra. It seems like there's some discovery to make. I have a question about that for you just personally, but let's start off with, let us get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of like, where do you come from? What got you into card games? Um, you know, uh, just, just let us get to know you as a, as an individual a little bit better. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I can kind of give a brief kind of overview of how I got into streaming. So, um, it kind of started like I started messing around with uh, really like really my my streaming and even even playing card games in a competitive sense really got started with Eternal. I did a little bit of Hearthstone Arena before that, um, you know, and played quite a bit of it. Uh, but I was really not enjoying the Hearthstone like constructed the actual like constructed ladder for that. You know, um, I used to just the normal rank ladder. I would only kind of play Arena. Sure. Um, and so I was I was very focused on that for Hearthstone. But you know, obviously that's not. I mean, you can kind of treat it like a competitive thing, but, you know, there's no ladder for it or anything, so it's not not really. But when, when Eternal came, um, I, I just kind of, I don't know how, I, I just I clicked on it on Steam or something. I don't know how how that ended up, but uh, I I really got into the, um, like, the drafting for Eternal. Like, I, the, the drafting in set one of Eternal was, like, really, really engaging, really good stuff. Um, I think you'll, you'll hear a lot of that echoed if you, you know, ask other people who play the game at the time. That was like a, hmm. a really good draft format. And um, so I got into that, like, and, you know, like I'd never really been competitive in Hearthstone Arena, but all of a sudden Eternal had a rank ladder. And so I would just, you know, like, I was just like, all right, like, I'll just try and get like rank one on the ladder for, you know, uh, you know, draft in Eternal. And like I did that and I was like, you know, and I kept wanting to play draft. So I would just, I just started grinding ranked with uh, like an aggro deck that someone posted. And I got the top 20 masters. And then I was like, once, once I ended up, you know, in like high masters, I was like, all right, like, why don't I just like start making my own decks for constructed? And then I started to really enjoy that. And that's kind of how it ended up. I started, you know, participating in tournaments for Eternal. Um, started, uh, you know, um, ended up joining like SPG, which is kind of like, uh, I'd say it's like a clan, if you know what I mean, from like StarCraft or something. That's where uh-huh. like, you know, like, a, you know, like a, just a group of players. It's not like an esports team. It's like a... Um, it was like a group of players that, you know, practice the game together and are friends and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but, and um, so, yeah, so that that's kind of how I got started. And people just started, like, eventually I started winning tournaments. Like, you know, this the small, there wasn't any, like, esports scene for Eternal. Uh, Direwolf kind of made their official tournaments, and I did win one of their official tournaments. But uh, most of my time with Eternal was in the community tournament scene. It was in, like, uh, the weekly ETS hosted by RNG, if people remember that. And that was the... Um, that was kind of where I started playing. I, and I, and I hit like, you know, I got ranked one on ladder and, you know, people just started asking me to stream. Um, you know, they're like, oh, I really like your decks. I'd love if you stream. And so I started to try streaming. 
you know, it was off and on. It was sporadic at first, um, but I started to enjoy it more and more. And then, um, you know, it was like last summer, I found myself, I was, I was unemployed, not really anything to do. I was like, all right, well, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about, you know, whether or not someone hires me right now. I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to start streaming Underlords because I played auto chess. I knew I was, I, I got the queen in that. And I was like, okay, like, I think I'm pretty good at these kind of games. So I'll, I'll give a shot streaming. I know I enjoyed streaming Eternal. So I'll, I'll kind of go all in on this and see if I can make it something. Um, and, uh, and it really, it went, it went really well, but then Valve kind of destroyed their own game. That's also, I'll just kind of shorten the story. It went really well for like two or three months. Then the Valve kind of made some changes, kind of got destroyed. Uh, I was kind of left without a lot to do, but then Rune Terra came along and I started streaming Rune Terra. So that's where we are now. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. So uh, have you, did you ever play paper card games? Was like tabletop paper card games ever something that you, you did or you enjoyed? Not, well, okay, not really, not like MTG or Yu-Gi-Oh! or anything, but my family is, like, extremely into cards. Like, you know, 52 playing card deck, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, I, don't think, I don't think I've ever had any sort of family gathering where we didn't end up playing cards. Okay. You know, in my whole life. My, mom, my mom's on my dad's side of the family. Well, that's very so, interesting. Uh, so, yeah, just both sides of the family really into card games. And so it's more like that was more my background in cards. I did have some like magic cards as a kid, but like I never played it competitively. I don't think I even understood the rules for it, if I'm being honest. Sure. You know, it was longer when I was like, you know, 10 or something, 12 maybe. But um, yeah, so I, I, uh, that, that was more, so that was more kind of the background. There was with kind of Hearthstone, I guess, was the first kind of of that genre that I played, like a lot of people probably got into a read on that. And then it was really the, the eternal, uh, the eternal that kind of, made me uh, interested in playing it competitively. Oh, that's very interesting. You know, uh, we have a, a similarity in that, in that uh, I was at my grandparents every single Sunday playing card games. Um, and from 500 to 10 Little Indians, and which is it's, it's probably honestly a, a racist name for a card game now, I'm not sure. Um, but we, we played, and my, my grandparents learned all of these sort of different types of trick-taking games and uh and we just played a tremendous we would play trick-taking tournaments all of my uncles and aunts and my cousins we would gather there'd be four or five tables and we would play you know sunday after church we'd get together we'd go over to my grandparents we'd start playing we'd play until we'd stop eat dinner and we'd play tournaments up until the night my grandparents would post like a little cash prize you know 25 bucks or whatever for the family member that won the trick-taking tournament that night and that really did spawn a lot of my love for card games as a child even though of course games like magic legends of runeterra which magic pokemon magic Yu-Gi-Oh, all of those things were um games that I played before I got into digital games and Hearthstone just became easier and less expensive than magic for me. Um, and so that's what got me into that. But it's interesting that those were some of the things, although they're very different that sparked that in me as well, that sort of gets your brain thinking in terms of, in terms of card games. So that is really, really interesting and, and, uh, and super, super cool. I mean, I'll tell I'll tell you this, um, uh, games at my grandparents did not make me nearly as good at legends of Runeterra as it did you though. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, uh, you know, even though I was playing mage seekers ash last week before I saw your deck, I was hot trash at piloting it. Um, <laughs> I I did try, but didn't do uh, really great. So uh, you actually answered like half of my questions, which was, you know, what got you into card games, specifically LOR, why streaming, why competitive play. So what is your favorite 
play style um, or your favorite deck right now in LOR? Like, what do you really enjoy? Um, enjoy. I really enjoy the GP Thresh deck. Um, I kind of like Rekindler as a card. Uh, the card got a lot of hate on it from the people in Open Beta because it was that was one of the first cards I really started to make abusive decks with. Like, um, one of the first decks I made. That was the deck I had mastered with. That was like the first, you know, what week of Open Beta was, uh, you know, Mono Shadow Isles, like, you know, Hecarim Rekindler, just like Hecarim was, you know, Hecarim was like a 4-6 back then, Rekindler was 6 mana. Yes. It was really impressive. And then the first deck I really got known for was like Rekindler Garen. Mm. Um, and that was actually what I would say, like, that was like, that was the deck that, I don't, I don't know if they already, they probably already had in mind to nerf Rekindler at that point, but like after I played that deck for two weeks, they nerfed Rekindler. Um, yeah, that was Zombie Garen, right? That's what we called it, yeah. Zombie Garen. Yeah, and um, see, I really like, I, I do like Rekindler decks quite a bit. So the GP Thresh is the first Rekindler deck I've really found recently that does a good job. I think it really has a pretty solid, it's not like a deck that's like crushing every matchup, but it, it can like play its way out of most matchups. It kind of struggles against the yielding a bit because obviously SI builds water, no answer to unyielding. yielding. Mm-hmm. But uh, most other matchups it can play itself out. And, and sometimes you can just uh, like, you know, hit them, you know, have like GP do damage to their face through the unyielding. Um, but yeah, so that's a deck I really enjoy. I also like Callista Sejuani a lot. That's probably a more powerful deck. I really like, I have a, I have kind of my own version of Endure. I think that is coming out. We're featuring it for the, the Tempo Storm list I was writing for. Um, and I think that's, to me, that's the best version of Endure, I think. Um, you could even go more aggro and take out like Sejuani, which I've seen some people doing just running Callista. But I think the, the strongest version of Endure across all matchups is Callista Sejuani with actually Ancient Crocolith. Um, oh really? You know, the four mana seven seven. Yeah, I play three of those guys. Um, oh. He's really really dangerous because your opponent can't ever leave Callista on the board, right? Because you don't get a, a response window when you play Crocolith. So like, if Callista's one out of three, they don't they don't have any chance to stop Callista from leveling, right? Sure. So it's a very it's like very like things that your opponent like can't really respond to. It's very powerful. So you're always threatening Callista's level, which I really like about Crocolith. And four meta seven seven is just very good. You know, one yes. uh, one adage of my chat is that Croc is for block. Um, because you can't really he's not so good at pushing through damage because he can't be chump blocked. Sure. But he does block really well. So he's he's really good at like endure mirrors at stonewalling the opponent. And um, yeah, I like I like the card a lot. And of course, sometimes if your opponent's not playing a deck with a lot of jump blockers, that seven seven is it's gonna hurt when it hits in the face. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, you're getting a seven uh, seven down before most people can get a five five. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like I like that aspect of it. Um, and it's a little bit more of a control version, right? Because Sejuani with Neverglade Collector is is nuts. It's just completely busted. If they don't, if they don't have a way to remove Sejuani, they're just out of the game. Even if you don't have Endure, pretty much, right? Because the the Neverglade Collector is one of the best ways to activate Sejuani, right? Especially in that deck that has such a easy time sacrificing its own units. So it's let, almost impossible to stop the freeze. Let's just say I do a show about Legends of Runeterra, but um, I want to know if you know what Neverglade Collector does. Um, but I def I definitely know. There's no way I wouldn't know what Never Get Neverglade Collector does. Okay. <laughs> five mana, two four. Okay. Shadow Isles does one damage to the face. He's the he's the he's the guy with kind of the raspy voice. Yes, he, he has drain. Down. Drains, yeah, drains. Does one damage to the American. So you see his synergy with Sejuani. 
Yes, that makes a lot of sense because you sacrifice a creature and it frost shocks their entire board. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? Everything's just adding up now. Now I'm now I'm <laughs> seeing the synergy there. Yeah, hence the reason when I build my decks, they don't win nearly as often. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've actually been playing. I earlier in the episode, I've talked about uh, about playing a little bit of tempo indoor this week. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty strong. I did not think about putting Sejuani in it. I think I'm running a Callista Elise version of the list, which is probably the more. Yeah, you gotta think out. You can leave. You don't have to go stage one. If you want to stay tempo, you can keep the bark beast. See, I cut bark beast. I don't run Honored relic. I don't run butchers. I don't run bark beast. It's much more mid range control style of the mm. year, but it does run warden's prey. So that's how I'm getting the bodies for ancient Proclus, right? Warden's prey generates the, the additional body when it dies, right, into your hand. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that's uh, that's how I like to approach it. But um, I would recommend taking a lease out of that list. A lease in that list to me is just so so questionable right because you don't have brute awakening how can you level elise without brute awakening right and i think if elise is unleveled yeah, two three fearsome is all right but two three isn't isn't hitting too hard and, and one of the issues with that deck is its board space issue right and elise often runs in like i'll have people attack me with elise in that list and they won't even get the spider because they'll have a full attack even without the elise token right yeah yeah, that that does actually happen pretty often with that deck. You just you fill your entire board, especially with the uh, the little guy that sacks something and summons the two saplings. Um, yes, he causes a lot of board space. Issues. Oh my gosh! Yeah, be like, and, and on like on turn three, he can cause board space issues. Like, and you're like, already, how did my board get so full so quickly? Well, that that dude does it. That that dude does the trick. Um, yeah, well, hey, that that's awesome. I, you know, I have not tried that, but Sijuani was the card that I was by far most excited about with the release of Rising Tides, and it was the card that I crafted three of on day one, and um, plus a whole bunch of actually too many cards that I crafted on day one. Um, to the point now, when I get champion capsules, I just get shards, which is majorly disappointing. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a real letdown. Um, but anyway, so I I crafted that, and I was playing Sejuani Ash for quite a while. Um, and, uh, and actually, uh, think that Ash is a really strong card if you play it as a combo tool that can freeze the entire opponent's board and just yeah. overwhelm damage in one turn. Um, yeah, it's a really, it's really powerful, right? Like if, if you kind of almost, it's not necessarily control, but Ash gives like, you can kind of have a deck without any other win con and Ash is like, Ash is your win con. She's, she's a win con is what she is really, because if she's on the board and you have like harsh wins in your hand. Like, just one Ash, leveled Ash, and Harsh Winds, that's half your opponent's board, even if they have a full board, right? Six units on board, Harsh Winds, Ash attacks, they only have three units that can block, right? Yes. You add any more freezes to that, and it's, like, it's getting really dangerous for your opponent, you know? Like, I, that's how I ended my stream today, is I was on, like, a full board. My opponent was playing, like, Lux, Thresh, Unyielding. I was on, like, Ash, Lux, Unyielding, and we just both had full boards, but then I just freeze everything and attack with my full board, and now I have six attackers, and you have no blockers, right? So... Um, yeah, Ash is, Ash is really good as a win con. Yeah, very, very good. And actually, um, very good against Unyielding right now because Unyielding is very popular. That's a very popular card to be run. And I think that Ash gets around that because you just say, well, okay, yeah, you, you have Unyielding Spirit on you. I'll just make you so that you can't block. So I, I don't care how Unyielding you are, um, which is a, a good way to play around that without having to have Will of Ionia in your deck. Um, yeah.
Like Ionia is kind of Ionia has some good cards, but it seems like it's hard to make a really good Ionia decks right now. So it's nice to have an answer outside of the outside of the Ionia. Outside of Will. So let me ask you this: What makes you sort of stick out or give you the competitive edge? in a game like Legends of Runeterra, um, because, I mean, you've performed very, very well in the, you know, of the initial batch of community tournaments. And of course, I'm sure you're looking for, like many of us, to much larger tournaments that we're hoping Riot will support. So what sort of gives you that edge in, in the tournaments that you've been in? Uh, I would say, um, uh... Obviously, I think I think I have a very good understanding of reading the game, what my opponent's doing, what uh, what I need to do to counter it. I think I play that I play that aspect of the game very well. Um, but uh, more in terms of having an edge, I think I usually bring pretty um, not necessarily like off the wall lists, but I think I, I think I'm pretty good at like like it was similar in Eternal as well. I think I have a pretty good understanding of how to build decks. And this means, like, even if I'm not bringing, like, a completely original deck, I'm bringing a deck that is more appropriately tuned for what I'm going to be facing, you know, more, more. I think I think I have an advantage in terms of the decks I bring, usually. Um, I felt that way, you know, like, as I said, like, the last, like, I thought it was a good example is, like, the last tournament right before Rising Tides that I won with Garen Ash. Like, the building the Garen Ash list won that tournament. Like, you know, I faced Prismat in the finals. I don't know if people know who Prismat is. He's easily just as good as a player as I am in terms of reading the game, right? He's a very good player. He's he's probably, you know, probably, you know, almost if we played a series, almost no mistakes would be being, you know, be being made, at least no like, you know, throws. Mm-hmm. Um and um, but like I was able to, you know, win that finals because I had a, you know, my my deck choice was was better, right? He my my Demacia deck was doing very well against both the Demacia deck he brought and um, the other deck he had his, uh, his well, okay, I, I never saw that. I two of the Demacia deck. But the, the point is, like, the big thing of that meta was having a deck that could, like, a Demacia deck that was, like, good against the field, but also good against your opponent's Demacia deck. And, like, that was, I had a big advantage there. So that's, uh, I, guess, I guess that would be the main thing. I mean, other than, because I think the, it, it's hard to say in Runeterra, but really there is a, there's a pretty enormous, skill ceiling in Rune Terra, right? Because of the passing system and the priority system, yes. there's so much room to maneuver that you that really there's a there's just there's a ton of skill there. There's a ton of times to exploit weaknesses, to bluff, to um, you know, to just outmaneuver your opponent. There is a lot of room to do that. Uh, so it's it's it'll be it'll be really interesting to see more. I really hope we get like a, the format we have is kind of weird for tournaments right now, right? Where it's like this like turn we like grabbed it from Hearthstone. Yeah, sure. Um, hopefully, we get like a really a tournament format that's like really well suited for Runeterra because again, I'm really excited to just uh, you know to compete in future tournaments and really uh, really see you know like where the you know kind of where the skill ceiling is. Really see who's the best at the game and you know because there's just like it, it's I don't think it's ever been a card game that's so good for the competitive aspect of it. Yeah, you know, something that's really interesting and and that I've examined and we've talked about through Legends of Runeterra is this sort of pass back and forth core reality of the game, right, that is really rooted in every aspect of the game that I think makes it like in, in other card games, it's easy to say that is clearly the best play. Like statistically yeah. speaking, you should have done that. 
And it's not even necessarily very difficult to be able to establish that in, in some games because your opponent doesn't have an opportunity to interact with you, right? Whereas in a game like Legends of Runeterra, it seems like the opportunity to make mistakes is A, much, much higher. And B, the pursuit of the perfect play is it almost seems foolish to try to find because <laughs> there are so many variables with the passing back and forth and the speed of spells that is in this game that it is very, very difficult to say when it when was this the right time to bluff? When Because that doesn't even exist in other card games, the ability to bluff about what's in your hand by passing um, and to see if your opponent will. I think that's a really interesting and engaging part that keeps bringing me back to Legends of Runeterra. And that is, I feel like I have not even come close to tapping into the skill ceiling that's there. I mean, it's enormous. Yeah, enormous. absolutely. So we had a lot of questions. So as soon as we announced over the Discord that we were going to have you on the show, we had a lot of questions come in from a myriad of players. Um, some people who knew exactly who you were, some people who had no idea who you were, but then they found out that you were competitive. I, But I have to say this, we are launching today, actually as we're recording this, today started the Legends Cast Discord League started today. So we have a six week Legends of Runeterra League going on right now in our Discord. We have 40 players who have signed up. They're stationed into groups and the top of the groups will compete in a sort of community tournament that is going to be coming up um, in five weeks from now. So in six weeks, we actually have an EU group that's going seven weeks. Um, that's only a single group versus what's going on in, in our NA group because we have 30, 36 or 40 people in the NA group. So as we have people who are right now getting really excited about jumping into their matches this week. Everybody has one person that they play against each week. They bring three decks. They're not allowed to double up on any factions. So each of their decks has to be very unique and they're playing a best of three. Do you have any advice for our brand new league players as they're going into uh, their first matches this week? Um, is it a band format? It is not. It is not a band format because we're the whole point of it is not necessarily to be competitive, but it's to continue to generate and cultivate the community of our Discord. Okay, I was gonna say ban Ionia, but that was that was gonna be my advice. <laughs> I but, mean, um, that could still uh, be that could still be your advice. It's not valid, but it could still be your advice. Ionia, <laughs> let's go for it. It's the best I got. Ban Ionia, or hope that you don't play against it. <laughs> So coming in questions from Formula 408 from our Discord says, what's your opinion of the Runeterra community uh, compared to other CCGs, which you've been obviously a major part of the Eternal community before this? Um, I would say it's good. I'm, I, I, like, I, I have a very favorable impression. I, I suppose there's a few different aspects of community, and I, I guess I'll cite, like, you know, a community is kind of like a very amorphous term, right? Like, you know, what, what actually is it, you know, like, you know, it's, it, there's different, there's, there's, you know, there's different social media. I guess, like, generally, it's kind of the amalgam of, like, all the social media, right? And that's what mm. you would say is, like, the community for an online game. But, you know, obviously, I interact with a lot of people in my Twitch chat. I interact with people on Discord. I do a little bit on Twitter. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I have, a, I have a very good, I have a very favorable opinion overall of the, um, of the Runeterra community. Uh, like, you know, usually, I, I have to ban very, very, I, I have, you know, relatively strict chat rules. Um, and you know, I very rarely have to ban anyone. Um, so, uh, you know, well, generally people are, uh, 
people are very, uh, very, uh, you know, uh, overall two thumbs up. Um, but uh, I guess the other aspect of that I'll say is like from the riot side is they're they're also communicating well, which I haven't experienced in any other game to be to be honest as well. So also like the dev communication with the community I think is also good because they you know I have no idea if they're going to implement it, but they've even you know they they'll they'll sometimes you know ask you know like what do you think of a balance change? I haven't they haven't done I've talked with them once and they were like oh what do you think of a balance change? You know or or you know what's what's your opinions of this? So they're the fact that they're also interacting is also like I think a positive sign for the community because that means the community actually has some can can have some impact in terms of like what the you know what direction the game's going. So it seems good. Obviously, as a developer, you don't want to like do everything your community says. That will just completely destroy your game. Yes. Um, but uh, you you know it's it's good to it's good to also listen. You can go. You don't want to go to either extreme there, right? Um, of you know not listening or you know implementing everything. Uh, but yeah, I have I have a favorable opinion with how the devs are interacting with it too. So I I'd say you know overall you know couldn't be happier. Yeah. Except for that, except for except for when chat says, you know, except for when I make a deck and they say, you know, you stole this deck from someone who played it two weeks ago. Except for that. That's the time when I don't like the Rune Terror community. Every other time <laughs> Yeah. Well, we, you know, I, I don't know that chat necessarily um consistently represents the health of a community. Um, especially as the chats grow larger as 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 yours have been. And you're right, man. The the uh, riot as a whole the communication with the community at large is really impressive i mean the clearest communication that i got from tesla was the day they told us that they're no longer going to be supporting the game um and that was the clearest i ever really got from them um outside of a host of other falsehoods um that i thought was clear but as it turned out it wasn't um so <laughs> and a lot of our people who come who come into our show came from tesla of course and they followed us into rune terror which is a, a really cool part of that um so mary wallace storms says he asked you um what is your opinion about the current meta and what cards do you think are problematic so i mean this is really a prediction for probably news that we're going to get within the next couple of days but oh uh, well okay i like the current meta i think it's uh i think yeah uh, the meta is pretty it's pretty diverse right now you know say you know there is endure kind of there's like endure and maybe ionia noxus elusive honestly not too many people playing that deck but it's a little busted the champless ionia noxus elusive burn thing um that deck is a little a little oppressive it's it, it does lose to like gp thresh but it's 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 pretty strong anyway those two decks are kind of way up there right now but really almost every deck if you play it well like there's so many different decks you can play on ladder right now so overall in terms of like the diversity of the meta very good um problematic cards uh obviously unyielding right yeah i mean, I mean obviously that's clearly that's clearly a problematic card so the unyielding that's probably going to change i'm not certain you know I, I can't say anything about what i've heard in terms of the changes are i've heard a lot of people say fast speed and fast speed is uh definitely uh potential the question is like if they make it fast speed will it just be unplayable i don't know yeah because it could um, be um should there be more changes to it with it being fast speed? Who knows? Um, but that's uh, that's that's something to think about. Uh, the other card that a lot of people are talking about are Endure and Atrocity, of course, because that's kind of the other super powerful deck right now. Is sure. Endure Atrocity. It's kind of weird where like Unyielding doesn't actually have like a broken deck for it. It's just like some decks just see Unyielding and they just can't do anything. So it's funny that there's no one yielding deck that I would say is like truly like S tier, like really in, like up there with like 
Endure and Ionian Oxus Elusives. There's like no like no no unyielding decks out there, or even tier one. I wouldn't say there's any unyielding deck that's tier one. But it's just like some decks are just so helpless to deal with it that it's that it's unnecessarily oppressive. And um so so but anyways, there's like the other cards we're talking about are, are, are the, the atrocity and the endure. I feel like atrocity is totally fine. Endure, my issue, the thing about endure is it is very, very strong. The question is, how would you change it? I think that's the big question. Um, you know, because it's it kind of has like a very basic, it's it's a one-one, it gets plus one plus one for every time you lose a unit, for every unit you've lost. Yeah. So it's like there's not a lot of wiggle room there. So maybe they change its cost. I don't know. There's there's not there's just not a lot of wiggle room in its design. Like you can't take away the overwhelm. That's kind of a meme. Um yeah. You can't take away, I mean, you can't make it like plus one plus oh, that doesn't make any sense. It's what's gonna be like a 21 or something, yeah, that would be dumb. So, I, I don't know what the wiggle room is there, but obviously, endurance and yielding are the two main things to look at. Um, other than that, people are talking about will, but if they nerf will, like, one thing I would say is like, will might even be able to go to five mana, um, and unyielding could be nerfed. But the problem is, like, I think Ionia and Demacia without those two cards are going to be, like, very weak. Maybe maybe Ionia survived as, like, uh, just, like, Elusive Agra. Yeah, sure. Elusive Agra doesn't need Will that bad. But uh, Demacia without Unyielding is going to kind of suck. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, they're yeah. in trouble. Yeah, I mean, unless they reverse the nerfs on Loyal Badger Bear and, and uh, you know, the uh, other guy, Grizzled Veteran or whatever, I think that's his name. Ranger. Grizz, grizzled ranger like if they reverse those it was almost like yeah well those really needed touched but but the the unyielding spirit feels so bad sometimes and I, I think that that's really what it is it's not that that card is particularly strong necessarily it is super fun to play with um it just feels really bad sometimes when that thing lands on lux or um something like Nora. that yeah, Fiora maybe. Fiora, yeah, oh yeah, it definitely doesn't feel good on Fiora. Um, and, and and it feels bad oftentimes when you just you you know right then and there I have no way to interact with that, and I had no way to counter it. Right, that there was yeah. there was nothing that I was ever capable of doing. The game was decided without me interacting with the game in any way. And I think that sometimes, you know, you at that point you lost during deck building. You didn't actually lose during game gameplay in some ways. And I think that gets very frustrating for people. And if you are a new player and you have not played card games before, things like unyielding just feel like cheating. And yeah. I think that a lot of I've heard a lot of other people mention like some other people who stream are like yeah like people will just come to me and just be like this card is completely BS like I don't even want to play the game anymore like <laughs> yeah and, and that that's accurate you know back in the day and I, I I have this memory of sitting in my basement bedroom with my friend Joe playing Magic the Gathering and he had a deck with a mechanic in it called Shadow and a Shadow was elusive Shadow meant you could attack and block only other creatures with Shadow except you know a Shadow creature couldn't block something without Shadow and I remember losing to his deck over and over again because he would just tink away at me one damage at a time with these little one attack Shadow creatures and I had no way of interacting with it and I was like this is cheating like this isn't fun now of course that wasn't actually a viable deck like elusives is but i think for a lot of people things like elusives and things like unyielding spirit if you're not used to card games and you don't know how to interact with it does just feel like cheating and can make you never want to play the game again which is not something that uh, the riot team wants to do 
Yeah, no, and I think the critical thing to mention with both unyielding and elusives is that when elusives have been problematic, it's that there's an insufficient amount of, I'm going to use this phrase like generically playable, maybe generally playable is the best way to put it, of generally playable cards, right? Because you can't just like be like, okay, I'm going to make my whole deck just to beat this one deck and they get wrecked by everything else. Like you can't really do that, right? So you have to have generally playable answers to, um, to, to the card to make it feel all right. Now, of course, like any deck, here's the one thing about card games that people do need to understand, right? There isn't a single strong deck that will feel fun to play against in some sense, right? Any mm. deck that's truly good, it will not be fun to play against. It's because it's not going to be easy to answer what it's doing, right? If, the deck, if it's easy to answer what the decks are playing, it's a garbage deck. So there is <laughs> yep. an element, but there is a level where, you know, it, it's one thing to like, you know, like be slowly overwhelmed by badger bears or something. It's another thing to just, because, you know, maybe you can take some good trades and, you know, hold on. Like, you know, you're still playing the game and that's it. Yeah, it's a yeah. super strong card. The Badger Bear Horde might overwhelm you, but you're you're fighting them, you know, even though even though Badger Bear might, let's say, have a higher win rate than Unyielding Spirit, you're still fighting it, right? Yeah. And you feel like you're, you're continuing to play the game out. The game's going to go on for three, four, or five more rounds and you're going to be trading with those Badger Bears and trying to whittle down the Badger Bear Horde and maybe you'll survive and they won't steal all your garbage, but... <laughs> you know, you'll be uh, you'll be okay. Um, so, but the the, uh, the unyielding and the elusives they come down, and you look at every card in your hand, and you're like, none of my cards do anything against this. You know, you could like have like five or six cards in your hand when unyielding comes down, and you're like, there's nothing that's even useful for me to play here. Yeah, and that's the bad feeling. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think they'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Fall Fallenteer says, as a highly competitive player, do you think that LOR can keep your interest or is the lack of major tournaments in esports problematic to you? I remember you from Eternal. He says, go Horo Control. I don't know what that H-O-O-R-U, Horu Control. It's like a faction combination. It would be like Ionia or it's like a region it's like right there are like base factions like in Magic. There's like five like Time, Justice, Shadow, Fire, and Primal. Okay. Um, those are the five like sort of like blue, white, red, black, green. Gotcha. Um, like same kind of deal. And so like each is kind of like a, it, it, it's like the Ravnica combinations, right? Where like gotcha. one is like Rakdos or Gruul or something. So like Horu is Primal plus Justice. Okay, gotcha. So, or blue, green. So he says, I remember you from Eternal, and even this that small game had a major cash tournament. So uh, being a highly competitive player, do you think LOR will be able to keep its, your interest if there's not a major esports tournament? I think in terms of ladder, yeah, it will. I mean, well, it, I guess that would depend on the kind of time span we're talking about. Like, I enjoy streaming LOR a lot. I enjoy the game more than any other card game I've played. Um, and so it's it's pretty easy for me to stream right now. Um, it's really the first, well, I guess the second game, because I did, I did have an audience in Underworlds, but it's really the second game I streamed, I'm kind of established here. You know, my stream is still kind of like a budding thing, so I'm definitely not looking to, you know, go out and do a, you know, a bunch of other games or anything. Um, and honestly, like, I'm, I am really happy with the core gameplay of Runeterra. Now, let's say there are no major tournaments in like six months or a year. Like, okay, yeah, then I might, I might look at other competitive avenues, absolutely. So it depends, like, I'm not like itching for a tournament to come up in like the next month or two months. But, like, yeah, if we get out to, like, six months and there are no major tournaments, that would make me rethink things and make me probably consider streaming other games. But it kind of just depends on what happens, you know? Um, and 
it, I, I doubt I doubt even if I was to go out and play other games for tournaments, I doubt I would stop streaming Runeterra entirely because I do just enjoy the game. It would be impossible. You know, I've I've streamed the game, you know, since January 24th or so, basically, you know, nonstop. You know, I, yeah. I take Sundays off, but that's basically it. So, and honestly, as I said, like, I did stream Underwoods full-time before that, and yeah, they made some bad decisions, and that, 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 but I, that, that whole kind of, what I was playing there, it, it got pretty stale after, like, you know, two or three months of streaming it. Um, but, like, Runeterra has not felt that way at all. I mean, part of it might just be the attention with the patches that Riot puts out. I'm not sure, you know, it's like, it's not like they've left us with a huge period of no patches, so I'm not sure if it is the, is the patches, but whatever it is, the game has not gotten boring. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be around in streaming Runeterra for the foreseeable future and, and be quite happy about it. Oh, awesome. Um, you know, I have like, there. <laughs> we're not going to get to all of these, but maybe I can do a couple of, of really quick ones, which is what's your favorite region to play as? Demacia. Demacia. What is your favorite emote? Lux. Lux. What archetype or champion in LOR do you believe needs a couple more cards to see a significant increase in competitive play? And why is it Mage Seekers? Uh, okay, it might be Mage Seekers. Mage Seekers, uh, yeah, it could be, it could be Mage Seekers. Another one that I put out there might be, um, might be Yasuo is close. Yasuo is close. He needs cards. The critical thing that people need to understand about Yasuo is he needs cards that give him, um, that are, like, playable when he's not on the board, right? The stun cards that are good even when Yasuo isn't in play, so the deck can actually function when Yasuo is not in play, right? That's, yeah. a, that's a critical aspect of that. But another thing that I'm like thinking is pretty close. I guess like like the idea of like Lux Fresh is an idea I really like. I think like the kind of some of the natural synergy between those two champs are actually like surprisingly and between Demacia and SI there. Like I think in the future we could see like a really tier one Lux Fresh deck. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I've not tried Lux Fresh, but maybe that's where I'm headed. Um, you know, considering the fact that you've played other formats, let's end with this question um, from Tower ha Tower Hats Human. Um, he says, "What are your thoughts on Expedition Mode and uh, the announced upcoming modes?" The announced upcoming modes, Expedition. Uh, I'm pretty. I guess in particular, I think it's the Gauntlet is going to be kind of like Riot's... It feels like they're kind of test run of a tournament mode, right? That looks kind mm -hmm. of what the gauntlet might be. They've mentioned even, like, potential best of threes in that, I believe. I'm not certain, but I, they have mentioned that they're, like, going to thinking about some sort of tournament mode or best of three. I think they might start implementing that in the gauntlet. So we'll... I'm very, very interested in that mode and what that will turn into. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, actually, coming from uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, we had gauntlets, and some of them were kind of like wacky new rules, but some of them were just straight up, you got three rounds, you played until you either lost three games or won nine games, and the people who, out of those three, won the most games with the least losses competed on a leaderboard to get sort of exclusive cosmetics um, that only came sort of from the top of the leaderboard. So coming from Tessel, we're familiar kind of with that sort of like um, best, uh, you know, try to win nine before you lose three type of or, you know, I guess it's don't lose two in a row before you win seven um, type of format with constructed, implemented into it, not just being draft. And I think so for many of us who came from Tessel, we really enjoyed that. So we're excited to see something kind of similar to that in, in Legends of Runeterra's Gauntlet.
Yeah, and the exclusive cosmetics sound awesome. I hope they do that. I would love to see some sort of exclusive cosmetics because that's like, and so that's just that's just cool to just have like it's like a trophy, you know. It's yeah, it's nice to have something, some kind of unique reward for playing in you know the the tournaments. Absolutely, yeah. And we've even talked on the show about like how cool it could be to get like um other skins for the the champions that you have, even if that doesn't necessarily change what they do. Um, yeah artwork or something yeah that would be nice yeah yeah that would be cool and it would it could apply like you know it would like you know when you were in like the loading screen it would be a different portrait or something yeah yeah because one of my favorite cards of or one of my favorite skins from lol of all time is darius with like the northlander darius with the giant axe and he looks like he's straight from Freljord. and i was like i really want to play a noxus Freljord deck with like viking darius with his giant axe kind of like as as one of my champions next to Sejuani, I just always thought that that would be um, really cool. Even like exclusive emotes or something that you would be able to score um, or card backs, all of that stuff. We all know that Riot is the king of microtransactions and cosmetics. So I think we can look forward to seeing some pretty cool stuff come out of them. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really deeply appreciate um, you taking the time out to do an interview. Is there anything else that you want to say um, to our community or anything? What I would love for you to do is really tell us how can we get connected with you as well? How can people find what you're putting out there and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And um, so basically, uh, the um, we can, I do have a Twitter. Uh, it's bru at BruceByGod1. Uh, that's my Twitter. I don't use it that much. I'm trying to use it more. But the main ways you can get in touch with me uh, are I stream every day, uh, well, Monday through Saturday, so just not Sunday. I stream, I start at 11.30 a.m. Pacific, usually every day. Um, you know, sometimes it might be five-minute difference, but pretty much on the dot at 11.30. Um, and then go to about 7 p.m. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's kind of my, my streaming schedule. So if you want to, you know, ask me questions, you know, I usually pay a lot of attention to the chat. So that's, that's kind of the best place to get in touch with me. Um, or, you know, like the, you know, if you want to watch, um, I do also have a YouTube. Um, it's bruised by God. We actually got the full name on that. Um, so also check out that. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to upload videos every day. I actually have an editor I'm working with now uh, on that. So that's actually going really well. Um, we're, yeah, we're, we're getting up about one video per day. So check that out. And the, the last thing would be Discord. Uh, I do have a Discord. This, it's under the link for it is underneath my stream. So, um, and if you have questions about decks and stuff, uh, I do try to respond on there. And there's also other people who also, um, you know, obviously pretty good at the game um, on that who can, you know, like give feedback. So uh, even if like I'm streaming and not reading the Discord, like you know, you can usually get somebody to like respond if you're if you have questions about decks or just the general meta or something. So yeah, any of those places, but. The main thing, if you want to watch, is, you know, Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash God. That's probably the best place. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. And you know what? All of that stuff is going to be in the show notes. So if you want to, like, just jump to it right now, you can go straight to the show notes and grab a link to that YouTube um, for BBG or uh, grab a link to his Twitch page right there and just go and hit those follow buttons. And that's what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm going to tell my community to go check out this awesome guy, check out his awesome content, the awesome decks. Um, don't just get pulled into whatever the top of the meta report is. Instead, go find something new and engaging and uh, honestly 
if you want something that's really tuned, um, that's his. Not that not that for where I'm playing right now, it will be tuned for because it's probably tuned for Challenger. But still, um, go and check out all of his content. Uh, hit the follows. I think on YouTube, you have to hit follow and then click a bell or something. Um, make sure you hit that. Make sure you get notifications about when he's going live um, because uh, you know, he's definitely an up and coming uh, competitive player. Also a really uh, up and coming streamer. Um, and, and there's a great, great deal that you can learn by watching him stream um, because he is in a engaged with the chat, but B he's talking about what's going on in his head, which I think is a really important thing that adds value to the community. It's sort of understanding the way that he thinks um, about plays and about decks and about cards. And it does help you to become a much better legends Runeterra player as well. So make sure that you check out all of that content that he's, that he's putting out there. So once again, and one last time, BBG, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate having you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Take care, guys. Oh boy, here I go. Way guys, welcome back. We really hope that you enjoyed that interview with uh, BBG. I know that I really enjoyed doing it, and uh, and he he's an awesome, awesome dude and a fantastic card gamer. Um, deep, deep intellect in the way that he builds decks and a very creative deck builder, which is really exciting. Just doesn't go by what the meta is, but goes by the beat of his own drum. Really great having him on. So I hope that you picked something up from that. Uh, even if, you know, the only recommendation we had about our league was to ban Ionia, which you cannot do. But maybe if you're a good person and everyone is, no one will play it. Um, <laughs> Uh, huh. We really don't. Have I wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't either. We don't really have much more for this episode, so we do want to work our way out of here. But we wanted to jump back on and and once again say thank you to BBG for coming on the show because we really appreciate that, and also kind of tell you how to get connected with what we're doing and what's out there. So DBN, how can people find you? How can people get connected to you? Yeah, mostly through my YouTube channel that is Dead Broke Nerd. I don't uh, I don't post videos. All the time, you know, I, I'm not a, I, I have a nine to five job and a part time job and a podcast. It's hard to find time to do stuff, but I still do it a uh, video every week or two uh, just for fun. And and hopefully it's usually when I stumble across something interesting enough that I find worthwhile to show you guys. I don't just make content for the sake of making content, not disparaging those who do because you got to do it. Uh, but I don't have to do it. Uh, and so I only really put something out when I feel like I have something really, really neat and, and interesting, at least to my brain. Uh, speaking of which, I hope to have a video out this weekend on that um, Fiora and Ash deck uh, that I talked about earlier in the episode. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And then if you do have anything, any questions, whether it be on the Discord League or just want to run a cool deck idea by me, you know, I, I promise I'll be able to look at it. I can't promise I'll get to it right away. Um, but you can always message me on Discord. Uh, never feel never feel awkward about that. You know, I, I get people being super duper like polite and like, uh, I mean, guys, I mean, I guess be polite. Don't be, I'm not inviting you to be a jerk. Uh, but, you know, everyone, you know, people are very like, oh, thanks so much for your time. And I'm like, I don't like I, I, all I do is talk about cards. Like just because I run a podcast does not mean I'm like cool or influential so you know uh you can just be you can be cool uh with me and, and i'm happy to just chit chat and goof off about card games with you so uh if you want to get in contact with me about anything you can always do that through discord uh, i would say my twitter but i've realized i really just don't use it so 
Yeah, I mean, less and less people use Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually read a lot of stuff on Twitter. I just never post on it or like DM or anything. So it's kind of like, I, that's not the best place to contact me. It's Discord. <laughs> Discord. Yeah, I'll say the same thing. Come and join the Discord. If you want to follow me on Twitch, you can. It's twitch.tv slash the lift. Um, I did stream this past week and had a great time playing a little bit of ESO online and hung out with my buddy Templar 10 as well while we were on there. Um, I, it is it is relatively laid back, so just come and hang out. I mean, it's really laid back, so just come and hang out with me. Whenever I'm live, I don't get a chance to go live very often because, you know, like DBN, I have a full-time job. I'm a full-time master's student. I have two kids, um, so I don't have a lot of time to make content beyond the podcast, um, uh, but uh, when I can, I do. And so, uh, you know, jump over there, give me a follow. There has been a steady a trickle of people from the show who's followed me over there, which I, which I really appreciate. And when we can, we do live record the show, even though we were unable to do that this week. Um, most weeks when it's just us, we do. The other thing I have to say, which is an exciting announcement, next week we will have um, the streamer and podcaster Saucy Mailman on the episode Woo. with us. So uh, look forward to that. We have our special guest Saucy Mailman who will be joining us, I believe, for the entire episode. So it's not just going to be a an interview he will be here sort of from beginning to end with us next week talking about the patch um and everything that's going on with that i'm sure he'll be talking about his own stuff as well um but uh yeah come back next week and make sure you check out that episode with saucy mailman um that's gonna do it for this episode of legends cast and episode 19 thank you so much oh holy cow i forgot about one really important thing and this is the last second thing Maybe we'll do it at the beginning of next episode as well. The, in between this episode and next is the one-year anniversary of the beginning of Legends Cast. So June 22nd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, June 22nd of uh, 2019. We started, I started Legends Cast with uh, no microphone on a, well, maybe I had like a, a crappy microphone um, uh, in my MacBook and that was it. And just decided one night, you know what? I'm just, I want to talk about this game and I have nobody to talk to about this game. So I'm going to talk to myself on a microphone. And I just started pumping out stuff for Tessel over the course of a couple of days, reviewing cards and talking about it. And it has turned into what it is today with the league and the community and um, being able to do this with DBN. It's a pleasure and it's awesome um, to be able to do that. We'll celebrate the one year anniversary of DBN being on the show too, because you were my first guest on the show. Um, I think it like maybe week three um and yeah, so, I think so yeah so like by the beginning of july it will be your one year anniversary of having come on the show which is exciting um Aww. yeah so that's all the exciting stuff that's it uh come back next week and uh and join us then thank you so much for joining us and listening and uh and like i said be sure to come back again next week thanks for listening to legends cast this episode was made possible by listeners like you if you want to become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast or leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts.